listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning and welcome to the first part of our brand new series, Our Brazen Jesus. If you're watching online, share this feed. And if you're in the room today, take out something to take notes on. I think that today's message is really going to encourage you. Uh, you know, people have a lot of different thoughts about Jesus, who he is, how he acted. And what's wild to me is the world does not really have trouble with the concept of buddy Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? You know, free hugs and kittens Jesus. You know, they don't, they don't have a problem with that Jesus. But sometimes I think that they choke on, on the more truth part of Jesus. The Bible says, let not mercy and truth forsake you, right? So there's an element of Jesus. He's a man's man. He's not some soft-handed preacher. He was tough. He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And, and because culture has kind of jumped on this, just like they redefine things like Christmas, I think that they've made Jesus into such a softy. They cut the wings of our Savior. And, and I think that we have to realize that amongst many things, he is also our brazen Jesus. I was on the Facebook this week and uh, saw some fun memes. I wanted to share this one with you. Go ahead and throw that slide up there, guys. If anyone asks you what would Jesus do, remind them flipping over tables and chasing people with a whip is within the realm of possibilities. Any other guys in the room want that picture over your fireplace? I do. That would bless me. <laughs> Um, I saw this one. This is from Steve Waldner, a friend of mine. This year, I want to be more like Jesus, hang out with sinners, upset religious people. Yes. T uh, tell stories that make people think. Choose unpopular friends. Be kind, loving, and merciful. Take naps on boats. <laughs> Anybody else in with me? You're like, 2022, man. It's our year, you know? And, uh, and, and, but, but seriously, people have thoughts about Jesus, and he is so much more than free hugs and good feelings he is the savior of the world, and he came to confront a system that was trying, striving to get to God, and yet was failing. He would get into fights. We don't think of it that way, but it was fights, word matches. He wouldn't let them have the, the last words. Often, he'd one-up them. And there was one time, I, I have it in, your, uh, in my notes, but I didn't give them uh, to the tech team to put on the screen, but Matthew 23, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. You're hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs. Uh, you indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside you're full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness. You're hypocrites. One time he got into a fight with the Pharisees and he called them a brood of vipers. Can I put it in, in 2022 English? You're a bunch of tools. Do you hear it? You're a brood of vipers. You guys are just in there acting like you're all that and a bag of chips and you're not. Jesus didn't call names. Oh, yes, he did. Read your Bible. He was after them. He was on their toes. And it was really the people that were trying to detract from him. He was loving, he was kind, and he was a gentleman for sure. He kept the dignity of some people that were caught in grievous acts of sin. But if you were a self-righteous, religious, pseudo-godly person, he'd take your inventory so quick if you tried to take his. He wouldn't let it go. He was our brazen Jesus. Now, I want to define what that even means, brazen. Dictionary would say, it is unrestrained by a sense of shame. Jesus wasn't ashamed of anything. Every act he did was godly. 
it is rudely bold, and sometimes you can be both godly and rude at the same time. It also means in metallurgy made of brass, and of course we're not talking about that, but it, it, it generated the euphemism, a brass attitude, to which I will tell you Jesus had a brass attitude when it came to dealing with certain people. Why zero in on this aspect of him? Because if all that you have is the bubblegum Jesus and you don't really have a sober appraisal of who he is, both mercy and truth, that he's a brazen Jesus who comes into our life, you're going to miss it. It's so like me to, when I have the opportunity to preach a sermon series on let's have your best year ever, I totally biff it and start talking about how Jesus is brazen and tough. But here's my belief is that if you get a sober appraisal about who Jesus truly is, you'll begin to trust him more. Your perspective on God is how you're going to approach God. If you don't have a sober appraisal of God, you won't approach him the correct way. And so I want you, I want you to have the best year of your life. But listen to me, my belief is the best way for you to get it is to have the best year of your life spiritually. And when that happens, everything will fall into alignment. Can I hear an amen? Amen. I found this quote by C.S. Lewis. It's in the book Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe, and it's talking about the characters, but it's an allegory for God and his kingdom, and I think it really, really puts the, the nail in, in, in the head here with, with what Jesus really is. Safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king, I tell you. So there's an element of Jesus where if you wanted to come into this thing with all of your plans for how the new year should go, they're probably not safe because Jesus has a way of coming into the room and flipping over tables with all of that. Pause. How awesome is that? <laughs> Jesus rolls into church. He surveys the scene, bunch of religious people, and the Bible says that Jesus Jesus, sweet, sweet Jesus. He leaves the temple. He goes up to a high place to a mountain. The Bible says this. Here's the literal words. He fashioned a whip. Classic biblical understatement. Use your imagination. Jesus Christ. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him, God. I'm going to kill him. Make a whip. I'm going to make a whip. I'm going to hurt him. They're going to get out of here. I'm I'm, going to clear out that thing. And then what did he do? He didn't go there and just swing it. This isn't Ringling Brothers. Jesus is popping people's hind in with a whip. That's my Jesus, okay? Like, what would Jesus do? Woo, 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 Indiana Jones, you know? I mean, for five minutes there, it was the Temple of Doom. I'm just telling you, like, that's your Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, here's what I know. God has a plan. And God wants to take us all on a journey. And, and, and for this year to be the best year of your life, it has to be the best year spiritually. God wants to take you on that spiritual journey. At New Chapel, we believe this. There's a lot of churches that are changing their missions here and there and always editing. I don't believe that the church needs a mission. I believe that the mission needs a church. We would say it this way, but I think it's just getting on Team Jesus. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. We believe that God has a journey spelled out in Scripture. It's so clear, and here's what it is. You need to know God. Like, you need to know him. He knows who you are, but, but you need to be in relationship with him, and the only way to do that is through Jesus. And so you need to know God. When you have a relationship with God through Jesus, you have an eternity in heaven. You avoid a Christless hell. And in fact, eternal life doesn't start when you die. When does it start? The moment you accept Christ. But most people in denominational circles and in, in many Orthodox circles, they stop there. They resign their happiness and any joy they're going to have to when they die. 
well, listen, I'm excited about heaven, but I'm all right hanging out here for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And so the, the goal would be that you would know God, but then that you would find freedom. There's freedom available for you. You don't have to live this life all plugged up with the junk from your past. And that's what's robbing you from freedom. It's the stuff you did. It's the stuff that was spoken over you. It's that event that happened in your life that robbed you. And what does it do? It, it, it makes you a slave to this world. We want you to find freedom. God does. And I believe that when you are free, you're going to be able to see your purpose so clearly. And I want you to discover purpose, not manufacture it. That's where I'm different than your self-help guy. I'm not trying to give you any self-help. In fact, if you could help yourself, you wouldn't have come to church today. But like, you need help, and you need to discover what God made you to be. You have gifts and talents, and you have things that are important to you, and they're not to anybody else. Anybody else like me, like something so important to you, and you're like, how do they not care about it? I don't even understand how you can't care about it. Like, 1940s and 50s mid-century modern furniture, specifically uh, designed by Charles Eames. Why, why isn't anybody like that? Like, come on, grow up, you know? Like, and, and why do I have that edge to me? Why is design important to me? Because even as a senior pastor, so much of what we're in right now, God used my gift. And so God has a purpose for you, but it's ultimately to do that, to make a difference. I joke this way, but it's true. When people are like, why God? Why am I here? What's well, right there. No, God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Solved it. Let's pray and go to lunch. Beat the Baptist to Cracker Barrel. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's the purpose of your life. That's the purpose. God wants to know you. He wants his kids free. He doesn't want you to wait to heaven to be free. He wants you free. And then he wants you to be a purposeful person that you know what he called you to do. And in that calling, many of you aren't going to go into full-time ministry. I get it. But like in whatever God has called you to do, that your purpose to do, when you're doing that thing, I'm telling you, you can make a difference wherever you are because we're all in ministry. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so that's, that's the spiritual journey, the, the road that Jesus wants us to go on. And I'm here to tell you, it's time. Do you hear me? It's time. It's time to get off the sidelines. It's, it's time to just stop agreeing with the pastor and be like, all right, I'm going to do something about it. And God wants to take you through that process, but on the road to becoming who he's called us to be, there are so many things that are distracting. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Anybody else have kids? How about that one? Yeah, distracting. Life's happening. A bill's happening. It's just the pace. How are we sitting in here at the first Sunday of the year? It was just the first Sunday of the year like two minutes ago. You see what I mean? And so Jesus encountered some people at the beginning of his ministries recruiting disciples and we all know about like Peter that came and followed and Philip that came and followed. Do you know there's other people that were invited in and they didn't? Let me read it for you. I'm going to read out of the message. It's not a translation. It's an interpretation. But sometimes it gives it so clear that in English you can really grasp it. It's what it says in Luke 9. On the road, right, the, the journey would be a great symbol, right? Someone asked if he could go along. I'll go with you wherever, he said. And Jesus was curt. Are you ready to rough it? We're not staying in the best hotels. I love how Jesus like goes right to the point because I've had a lot of people that you know it's all rainbows. I'll, I'll go along with you anywhere, Pastor Joe, and I haven't seen him in three years. And Jesus had this sensation, so he's like, "That's an awesome heart. Are you for real? Because we're going to be roughing it. Have I portrayed for you that Christianity is all easy? Sometimes, friends, listen, it's not always easy. Sometimes it can be very, very challenging, but it's always good." It's not always safe, but it's always good. And that, my friends, is life. But if it were easy, you'd be doing it. 
If it were easy, everybody would do it. It, it continues on. Jesus said to another, he says, follow me. And he said, certainly, but first, excuse me for a couple of days, please, I have to make arrangements for my father's funeral. Here's brazen Jesus. I refuse. Not going to happen. Now, that sounds, that sounds harsh. Because what the guy is proposing, like, look, I'm in, let me just go bury my dad. It sounds viable, a viable reason. It sounds reasonable. And there's the problem. There will always be a reason to not do what you know God has called you to do. And, and seldom do I find that the things that he calls us to do are convenient at the moment. This series is not called Our Convenient Jesus. He doesn't really care about that. He steps into our life in a brazen way. And sure, he saves you. But I'm telling you, Jesus, he takes your life and he starts running and you have to run with him, trek with him to see all that he has. And so some of the things that sound reasonable don't really factor in. He qualifies it. Jesus says this. It continues on. First things first. Your business is life, not death. And life is urgent. So announce God's kingdom. Let me give you some context. It's not that you can't bury your loved ones, have a funeral or memorial service. But this guy could have been the 13th disciple. You see what Jesus asked him? He said, follow me. Who were the other men that heard follow me? They became the apostles of the Lamb, later the uh, apostles that are seated, uh, seated all around the throne of God in heaven today. There could have been 13. This guy was given the opportunity, and he said, certainly, that sounds like a good idea. Jesus wasn't proposing an idea. This was his moment. And I have no doubt that upon accepting, he'd say, of course, go bury your dad. But where was the heart? Like, I'll do anything. I'll follow you anywhere. You got this thing figured out, I'm in. And so he missed it. He missed the urgency of the moment. This guy had his moment, and he missed his moment. It continues on. It says, another said, I'm ready to follow you, master, but first. So he didn't hear the other guy. In fact, do you remember what Jesus said? He said, first, first things first. Jesus doesn't take second. He says, I'm ready to follow you, master, but first excuse me while I get things straightened out at home. Jesus says, no procrastination, no backwards looks. You can't put God's kingdom off until tomorrow. Seize the day. This is the person that says, oh, listen, pastor, I'm all about that. Go team, let's go. You know, like I, I, I have a heart. I have a heart to serve uh, as, as a group leader. I really have a heart to do that type of thing. I'd love to give. But you know, I got those kids. Kids are crazy. They're in my face all the time. I got to deal with these kids. You know, when they're a little bit older, I'm going to be able to have some time. You know, Pastor Joe, listen, you know, I've got a lot of things going on. I'm, I'm a giver. I'm a giver at heart. But listen, my wallet is like pickled. It, it's, it, it was baptized in pickled juice. I got to get that thing right with God. It's, it's, it's wrong. I don't have the money to do it. I got some unexpected things came on. And here's what Jesus is doing. He's showing you it is not going to be convenient, and that's, it's okay. Can you resolve that? It's okay that it's not convenient in all of it. Wow. No procrastination. No backward looking. And then he says, <laughs> very interesting, you can't put God's kingdom off. Now, we think like, you can't do that. That's criminal. You're naughty for... He's not saying that. He's making a statement of fact. Listen to me. You can't put God's kingdom off. Like when God's dealing with you on something, that's the moment. If God gives you timing or a next step, that's your moment to do it. But, but listen, like God's not going to... The Bible says the spirit of God will not contend with man for long. Does that make sense to you? 
And so when God deals with us, you can't put God's kingdom off. So here's the whole idea. You don't want to miss it. Now, this past Christmas season, uh, Kai and I did some shopping together. Some of the time we did it with the kids. That's a nightmare. I'm just telling you. We got four kids. We got both of us. One of our van doors stopped working. Okay, you need both those doors. I don't know how anybody got along with an with a Oldsmobile silhouette with one door. That's demonic, okay? And we're commuting the crazy to Target, and we're going to Marshall's. We're going by a restaurant, and, and it's insane. But here's what I've noticed. Maybe you can give me a witness in the house of God. People in Grand Rapids don't know how to drive. That's the loudest amen of the day. They're crazy. Here's just a little public service announcement. The left lane on the expressway is not just for driving. Oh, I know, it's the fast lane. No, don't think of it like that because your fast is different than my fast. It's the passing lane. Passing. Not passing one mile an hour faster than the guy right next to you. I'm telling you, it's a 30-second moment in your life. Pass, get your body out my way, and I'm going to be passing you. I release you to your destiny. Anybody else happy that your pastor preaches this way in the middle of a sermon? <laughs> Lord Almighty. And so Kai and I are brave in all of this type of stuff, and here's the worst. I forgot my wallet at the church, and so Kai was driving. That is the worst. <laughs> Just kidding. But beyond all that, there was, we're second in line behind the light at four mile. The light at four mile lasts three seconds. Three seconds. One, two, three. God bless you. Please don't move. That's it. That's all you have, especially northbound. And so this joker that's in front of us doesn't move when it turns green. I am screaming, ah, this person's ruining everything. You know, and I reach over. If I'm with you in the car, I will honk your horn for you. If you're not going to do it, I'll take the blame. How many of y'all have ever driven with me and I've done that before? You, 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 yeah. So I don't drive with a lot of people. I'm not invited back. But what that person was doing they have their head down, and they're on that phone. The phone has done a lot of things for it. It's done nothing for our driving. Everybody's looking at that phone. And it's so frustrating. And I know what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to do when you get in those situations. You're supposed to go, beep, beep. <laughs> Guess what your man of God did? Why? You are an awful driver. I am straight up Olympic, like grading their driving in real time to the glory of God. Okay, how many of us, as we're approaching this, this new year, we're approaching things like that, things with God, is God like, baby, come on, let's do this thing. Like, baby, come on, let's, let's go. Get your head up. Get back in the game. Get your hands on that steering wheel. Let's go. And so, so here's my thing. When the people are like, oh, man, I will, God. I'm, once I get these kids figured out and everything, it's like, BB, let's do this thing. Now, I'm not going to lay on the horn today. I'm not going to like, come on, you guys are awful. It's not, nothing like that. But I, I do want this message to be a little bit of a, bah, bah, come on, let's get back in the game. Let's get our head back. Get the fog of Christmas vacation off. Get the patina of that off you. Get back on keto. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> paleo, you know. BB. Let's get our head back in the game. Amen, somebody? I remember the, I remember the holiday season when my nephew Michael passed away. He came home from Okinawa, Japan. He's a Marine. Uh, by the way, I've never heard of this even happening. Any Marines in the house? Coin check. Anybody? Coin check. Nope. Okay, good. Um, he came home from Okinawa. 
for Christmas. Surprised his mom, surprised all of us. I was at a Christmas party with him. I'm hugging his neck. He came back and he hugged me twice. Never did that before. Hugged me twice. 24 hours later, he's gone. Died in a car accident. I don't even know how we got through that. It was so difficult. And I remember going to my, my dad's for the big family Christmas party, and my sister, who lost her son, is handing me a Christmas gift to open, and I'm just, I'm, I'm just losing it. I'm just crying. I can't even get through anything. And by the way, you want to talk about a man's man? Real men cry. The Bible says Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible. Real men, it's not trying to suck the tears back in your eyelid. That doesn't make you a real man. Real men know how to cry and how to process their emotion, not be a bunch of weenies and let the emotion all go inside and blow up on everybody. That's a wimp. I remember that Christmas, and then I remember New Year's Eve. And, you know, everybody's trying to do their best, and we're 10, 9, 8, and, and then everybody's singing that song, you know, that nobody knows the second stanza of it, but we all start it, you know. Shalom, you know. And everybody's singing, and I'm seeing all of this, and I'm, I'm just dealing with, I'm not, I'm not with everybody. And, and here's, here's what was crazy is this, I'm, I'm feeling all of this, and I'm like, I'm not ready. Not ready for the new year. I'm, I'm leaving somebody in the year that I just left. I, I'm not ready to piece out of that. And, and, and what I found is, is that it's brutal. It's savage. It doesn't, life doesn't wait. Life continues on whether you're ready or you're not ready. And Jesus knew that. So when he's talking to these guys, he's like, look, follow me. Now's your moment. And they're blowing him off. Don't blow off Jesus. It's your moment, man. Like, let's jump in the game. Beep, beep. Let's go. Because he knows how savage life can be. It is going on without you. And I will tell you this. If you think that, and I understand processing emotion, maybe more than most. But I will tell you this. The best way to do it is by living your life in real time. You might need to take a break, sit down for a second, talk to somebody. Counseling is a great thing. But listen to me. It doesn't mean you get to put your life on hold because something happened. You have to, and it's so brutal. I, I just got to bury my dad. No, no, no. Let the dead bury their dead is what the scripture says. Get on with the mission. Wow. Brutal. But what Jesus understands is that life is brutal. So if you're hard on yourself, life will be infinitely more easy on you. Say amen, somebody. The Bible has a lot to say about these type of themes, and it does make me think about Old Lang Syne, that song. Uh, the song was written by Robert Burns, should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind. And there's many themes in that song, uh, good themes about remembering where we came from and being grateful, having gratitude. But one of the themes that the song deals with is really, what are we going to leave in 2021 and not bring into 2022? What will we be forgetting? And, and when we come to New Year's, it's just another day in the week. In fact, this really isn't the new year. Did you know that? The, the, the new year is based on the Hebrew calendar. It would be in the Hebrew month of Tishri, which is September, October. Uh, I'm sorry, August, September time. So, I mean, New Year's already come. But we're on the Gregorian calendar, so we go by moon and sun and blah, 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 blah. I'm boring you. But for you, for me, New Year's is like, yeah, new opportunity. And so listen to me. Let's ride that. Let's, let's hunt that feeling down, but let's make it the best year of our life spiritually because we're going to let brazen Jesus step into our life, flip over tables of stuff that we believe that's wrong. We're going to let our trust level rise like a thermometer. Come on, baby. We're, we're going to trust our God and see his goodness in our life. Can I hear an amen? So some things should stay, 
in 2021, a couple of them, write them down. First one is this, we need to move past our old history. We need to finally say, hey, whatever's done is done. I got to move past this. Like find the history, click delete. It does not need to be on your hard drive anymore. I'm talking about the divorces and the bankruptcies and the failed opportunities and the health issues and that event, that thing that happened to you. And you know which one I'm talking about. It's the one that, that you've seen your entire life through the lens of that event. And you source out of that event. And you find so much of your identity out of what happened to you or the thing that you did. It's, it's time to leave that thing in 2021 and step into a new year and say, God, I'm going to be free from that. It's so brutal. In Isaiah 43, it says, forget the former things. What? Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you perceive it? Don't you see what I'm doing? And here's what he's doing. I'm making a way. Jesus calls himself the way. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Brazen Jesus steps into your life. And, and he does not wait for everything to get put together. In the middle, in the center of your dysfunction, in the center of when you get the bad news, he is going to, in that, in that spot, make a way in the wasteland. That's your God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Guys, I'm telling you, we got to move past all that, that, that old history. Next thing, we need to move past our old habits. Old habits. We're all picking up stuff, different things, different times, in real time. And some of us have just allowed too much stuff in our life. And when I say old habits, it is so easy to point at the habits that everybody knows. Oh, I shouldn't smoke or chew or go with girls that do, you know, and I shouldn't be smoking that Cuban lettuce or eating those gummy worms or, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> there's, there's easy things, isn't there, to point at. How about this one? How, how, I wonder if we're addicted to our phone. In fact, I really don't wonder. <laughs> you're addicted to your phone. Let's start there, and if you're not, my mistake. We're we're addicted to affirmation on social media. We want those likes. Did you like my picture? Am I somebody? I mean, anybody to affirm you but God. Are we addicted to things like just too much? Like, I love food, but you can get addicted to food. So easy. Like, I got a, a 1950 Coke machine back in my office. It's so cool. But since July, I've had like five Cokes. Mexican Cokes only because I ain't wasting it on that high fructose corn syrup stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Mexico only. Sugar. Glass bottle to the glory of God. Because I was drinking like two, two liters a day and looking like the last scene in Ghostbusters, you know. <laughs> like, I was addicted. I'm addicted. And I just wonder if there's just like things, like, how about language? I thought that I was the edgy pastor, and every once in a while I'd be like, what the heck? And it was ironic and funny, and I have a great sense of humor, and I thought it was funny that I said it. But like, my language has gotten too loose, well, it's not just that word. It's a whole bunch of words. Not just, what? We're doing the whole vocab? You know, this isn't Elevation Church. I'm not going to go there. You know, like, <laughs> loose. We become addicted to things. There's too much stuff. Am I, like, tap dancing on your toes? Like, I'm just, I'm just, me too. I'm with you. And one of the best ways that we can get over some of those things is by prayer and fasting. And that's why this month, on January 27th, we're having this new thing came up with a really trendy title. It's called Prayer Meeting. <laughs> you know how like churches do trendy titles? We're going to have Accelerate, you know? We're having the prayer meeting. It's going to be 6.30 on a Thursday at church. 
Prayer meetings are typically the lowest attended services we offer. I just wonder if we could not be like every other church and if we could just blow this place up. Worship band's going to be here worshiping the Lord. You should come with prayer requests, pray for other people. I'm going to have a five-minute met. Like we're going we're gonna to go after God on the 27th and see, see him move in our lives. Amen, somebody? And, and some of us in the church in the seven days, so from the 20th to the 27th, we're going to be fasting. You can fast if you'd like. Fasting is like letting food go for a season for a specific spiritual reason. Well, are you just trying to like bend God's arm, twist his arm so, so he'll give you what you want? That's bad teaching. Here's what it is. It's quieting your flesh, which is now used to getting notifications and eating whatever it wants and having a Coke machine in your office. And, and, and all. it's quieting all of that and getting alone with God. Fasting is fasting food, but, but there are Daniel fasts in the Bible, and that really opens us up to fasting other things. Some of you should, maybe even get rid of your phone, but turn the phone off. Only use it as you, y'all remember we used to dial a house and have to, like somebody would answer, one sec, I'll go get mom, you know, like, do you, anybody remember that? Kai and I got married in 2011, and we just missed the phase where when you got married, you'd go and buy an answering machine right away so you could record this is Joe. This is Kai at the Bevelacquas. Leave a message after. Like, we didn't get to do it because everybody's got a cell phone now. Maybe you need to turn that off. Because, listen, sir, um, your kids spell love, T-I-M-E, and when you're on the Facebook all day long and you're just looking for the next thing and mom's trying to make y'all Pinterestville, but you're not spending any time with your kids, that's crazy. Way to build a church, but it'll build people. It's hard to hear, though, isn't it? I would encourage you to fast with us. I encourage you to come to this new thing called the prayer meeting. And, and let's go after God. Let's seek him and all that he can do for our lives. And, and Isaiah 58 says this. Well, what kind of fasting? What are you trying to do? It's the fasting that looses chains. I got chains in my life. You got chains. I want those chains off. It's setting free oppressed people, breaking yokes of bondage. Like, I want to be done with that. Anybody else want to get done with some stuff? Check it off the list. Move on with your life. Same as somebody third thing we need to move past. Let's move past old hurts. Old hurts. What does that mean? So you're hurt. Let's start there. You're wounded. It hurts. And you're going to have to find a way to move past all of that because it's defining your life. Whatever it was, the, the person, what they said, what you said to somebody else, that thing in the past, whatever it is, you're letting that thing define you and you're going to have to move past that. Well, what are you going to do about it, Pastor Joe? Preach a message about it? Here's my great answer. There's nothing I can do about it. Nothing. The eggs are scrambled. Whatever it was that happened to you, it happened to you. And I'm so sorry, but life is brutal. When you come into this new year, if you try to carry all of that hurt and pain and drag that through your life this year and the next year and the year after that, you will never arrive at where God has called you to be, and he's called you to do great things in this world. You're going to have to leave the... It's brutal. Ready? Move on. That's hard to even hear sometimes, isn't it? Stop wearing your hurt like a badge. I'm sorry it happened. It wasn't right that it happened. But God can heal your heart, and God has bigger things for you. You have to find a way to move on through all of it. There's times where I'm reflecting or I'm in prayer, and I'm like, God, I wish I wouldn't have said it that way to that person. I, I, I wish I would have said it a different way. Our greatest gift is often our greatest weakness. Yeah, mine too. 
I've said too much and went too far and made things weird or awkward. And I've, I've lamented to God, like, oh, God, but there's nothing I can do. I went back to my hometown. They have this, like, Norman Rockwell Christmas night with all the businesses, and I went back there, and I commuted the crazy there, so four kids and Kai and I, and they all have to go to the bathroom at the same time. And so I knew the Methodist church had a bathroom in it because I had some buddies that went there when I was a kid. And so we went to the Methodist church, and uh, they had one bathroom, one door, one stall. Oh, boy. And so we were there for over a half hour. I mean, literally, it's crazy. And so as it's happening, I'm meeting people and seeing people. And I saw somebody. I, I thought I recognized her, and she says, is that Joey Bevilacqua? And I tell you, you are an old school person if you call me Joey. I said, yes, I think I know who you are. And she said, I'm so-and-so's mom. And I hugged her neck. She hugged me. And immediately I became aware. I said, I'm so sorry. I berated your son in middle school and high school. I made fun of him in the worst way. And it has haunted me for years. I was a bully to him. It was wrong. And I wish if I could see him again, I'd hug his neck and tell him I'm sorry. She said, well, he's married in Grand Rapids. You might see him. I, I said, really, though, I, I'm very sorry. And I, it was almost making her uncomfortable. She said something I thought was very, very wonderful. She said, Joe, thank God we aren't the people that we were in high school. That was very generous. And I still ask for her forgiveness. And when I do see that man, I'll, I'll beg for his forgiveness. But I can't, I can't drag that into this year. We all have things like that, and not all of us will have the luxury of being able to ask for forgiveness or have somebody ask for our forgiveness. For some of it, it's people that are long gone, and you can't talk to them ever again. You're going to have to find that freedom in God. Say amen, somebody. So you can't go back. What do you do? You turn the page, have a clean page. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let me read it for you. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this, so this is all Christians, right? The new creation has come. The old is gone, and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled. Everybody say reconciled. Reconciled us to himself through Christ. So listen, that old stuff that you did in the eyes of God is dead. Well, I'm ashamed of it. Listen, this is crazy. Jesus took your shame. You don't even have the right to your own shame. you gotta, you got to let that stuff go, and you have to move on with your life. And then it says that, that God, through Jesus, that, that Jesus reconciled us with God. Reconciled. So I love that word because it's an accounting word. And if you're a person who's like me, I believe you, but I want to see it on a spreadsheet. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like, and, and here's what reconcile is. Come on, I'm, I'm looking over here. It's all got to go to zero, right? I don't owe you nothing. You don't owe me. Jesus reconciled you to God. You owe God nothing. God owes you nothing. You're square. The Bible says, let the same mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, who thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Almost sounds like heresy if it wasn't straight out of the Bible, that you can look eye to eye in God's face without shame, without disappointment. You say, thank you. Now, you're standing in Jesus. It's not your own righteousness. It was gifted to you. Don't be self-righteous. The last thing you want to do when you get to heaven is start listing off all the things. Have we not prophesied in your name and cast out demons? No, don't do that. <laughs> I'm here because of Jesus. Like, leave it right there. Happy to be here. The only way I can stand is in Jesus, you know? But here's what I'm trying to say, is that that reconciliation was made for you in Jesus. He made that way. Hear it. Beep, beep. 
Don't be distracted. Get your eyes up. He did that work. Write this down. I say this because I know that you're really not going to start the next chapter in your life if you're still rereading the last one. You're not going to be able to go on to the great thing that God has for you if you're still stuck in, in what you've already experienced before. God has more for you. Say amen, somebody. Now, many are still defined by their history habits and their hurts, and, and this is all while God has more. Where's the good news? Look at me. There's power to overcome all of that junk, and it's time to make a change. It's time to let the past be its past. Overcome those old habits. God has more. Say amen. Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is starting his ministry, and from that time on, the Bible says, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, that word repent has almost gotten like a negative connotation to it. We imagine those street preachers with the megaphone that are condemning people and yelling at people, or those jerks that are outside a funeral, picketing a funeral or something like that, just awful things. But repent is not a negative word. It's actually the Greek word metaneo, and here's what it literally means. It means to change one's mind. It means to turn around. That is not a negative thing. That's an incredibly empowering, that's an incredibly uh, uh, a positive thing for this reason. It means this. You can change. You're living this way. You're doing it, and it's against what you even want. You can change. God gives you power. The word repent just means to change. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. You know what occurred to me this week is that so many of us are struggling, even those of us that are Christians, and you're struggling because you're still the king over your own kingdom. Here's the bad news. You make an awful king. Just check the results. Like when you try to do good, you'll biff it. You know, like when you're trying to make something happen, you'll still make a mistake. It's why we got to make Jesus Lord or King over our lives. Kanye was right. Jesus is King. I'm just telling you, everybody. It says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Everybody say near. near. Listen to me. It's not as difficult as you think. God's not as far as you think. Sir, ma'am, somebody needs to hear this. He's not far away. Well, I got to get this going. I got to get this. Stop, control head. Make him King and just realize the Hebrews, when they're at that wailing wall, they're doing this, he's closer than the air you breathe. They pray like this so they can feel the air on their hand. God is close. He's close. This is not meant to be difficult. It's not easy, but it's not difficult. His, his, his burden is light. His yoke is easy. Say amen, somebody. So on this journey that we want to take, becoming uh, something better in 2022, becoming more godly, becoming more of who we're supposed to be, I think that we need to leave those three things behind, but that means that there's four things that we need to do. Write these down with me, would you? Number one, it's time that we get closer to God. Pastor, I'm already close with God. Great. Get closer to God. There's always another step. I'm not trying to give you more stuff to do or exhaust you in any way. I'm, I'm trying to have you get closer. Listen to me. Everybody look at me. I need to get closer to God. In the next couple of weeks during this series, I'm telling you, it will be one that you will never forget for the rest of your life. And then up to that prayer meeting and beyond, I'm going to be pursuing God like I got saved last night. I'm going to be running after him with everything in me, and so should you. So should you. Come on, beep, beep. 
Get your eyes up. Don't be distracted. Let's get back in the game. God is good. Say amen, somebody. James 4, come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. Your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Does that convict anybody else besides the stage? Your loyalties are divided. You're, you, got, you got one foot in, one foot out. Like We got to get closer to God. The problem is that when we want to see all of these great uh, changes in our life or, or resolutions seen or realize, be the best version of ourselves, we think that it's going to be easy. Write this down, huge point. If you want something that you've never had, be willing to do something that you've never done before. Oh, Pastor Joe, it's just another year. You know, if you treat it like that, you'll be sitting in the same seat. 365 days from right now, be like, man, it's just another year. And I'm telling you, the years are flying by. But if you say, no, God, look, I'm going to do some things I've never done. What if you went to church 52 Sundays out of the year? I know right now you're thinking, like, this sounds like a cult. But that's actually biblical Christianity. You know, I'm just telling <laughs> Pastor Joe, you don't skip. If A, I don't skip. If I'm sick, I'm taking medicine and I'm still preaching. That rubs the cat the wrong way, turn the cat around. <laughs> what about vacation? I go to church on vacation. I eat what I'm cooking with this thing. Why? Because Jesus died to build a church. And it's something he said I need to do. And so listen, what would your life be like if you went to 52 Sundays? Oh, wow, that's radical. <laughs> so crazy. Welcome to 2022, right? Your life would be better. Don't be legalistic. If you miss one, get sick. I'm not picking a fight with anybody. What I'm saying is beep, beep. Get your head back in the game. God has more for you, and there's ways that you can get closer to God. Number two, it's time to get honest with a friend. Oh, that sounds self-helpy, Pastor. It, it's not at all. You know, Christianity is not described to be anything that's, that's just a personal relationship. You invite somebody to church, well, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. I don't talk about my faith, and I, I, I don't like organized religion. Well, that's the exact opposite of everything Jesus preached in the Bible. It's a church is, by definition, organized group of people on common mission. And so your Christianity is not designed by God to be alone. You'd love it, wouldn't you, if it's just between me and God? That's what people that are in really deep sin say. Don't judge me. Only God can judge me, right? Christianity's actually lived out with you and God and others. Well, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that if we confess our sins to God, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That is true, but you're forgetting about James. You're going to continue to sin until you're healed. James 5.16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be not doing it anymore. You're going to keep on hitting your head against that glass ceiling, friend, even though you know it's wrong. You confess it and God forgives you. You're not going to be healed until you get into some real community. And I do this. I'm not above this. There's a time this past year, and I just, I just felt like nothing was working. You ever get into a funk like that? Like everything I'm touching is turning into dust right now, and I'm not getting the stuff done. I got to get done. And I said I was going to do something. I forgot about that, and I lit everybody down. And I brought in my best friend outside of my wife and sat down and said, look, I kind of suck right now. And I just, I vented, not venting in the counseling term, but I vented to somebody who cares who at the end of all of it is going to encourage me and pray for me. And I left that whole meeting healed. 
not perfect, but so much better than down in the dumps little dweeb that I was when I went in. You need that. There's healing on the other end of your accountability. That's why we're doing small groups, and I am excited to say that our next semester of small groups is going to start on February 6th, so just a month away. We need small group leaders. We need people to be involved. Go to newchapel.com groups. Sign up to be a leader. We'd love to have you or fill out one of the connection cards. But you need groups in your life. Write this down. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, friend, you're going to have to do it with other people. God's call in your life is so big, you can't do it alone. Number three, it's time to get in tune with my purpose and my passions. You've got to get in tune with who God made you to be. Some of y'all might think that you're in like the sweet spot with God, but yet it's not producing the fruit that you really thought should be there. It's producing some negative things in your life. And the truth is this, you think that you're in purpose, but you're not. I don't say that so you second-guess yourself. I say it because I want to spur you on to the spot where you're like, I want to be in God's will. Galatians 6, if anyone thinks that they're something, it's not talking about a haughty person here. If anybody thinks that they are something, but they're not, you're deceiving yourselves. Each one should test. Everyone say the word test. Test your own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. This is that godly pride, like having pride in who God made you to be. Listen to me, gang. There is nothing like knowing you are in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people. Listen to me. There's nothing like knowing I know who I am. And God made you to do incredible things. He wants to take you on that journey to discovering who that is. We've worked hard as a church staff to create programming to help take you on the spiritual journey. The realization I fell on is this. Write it down. Don't just go through life. Grow through life. Don't, don't take these years for granted. The programming that we have here at the church, the teams that we have for you to serve on, the things that we have for your kids to do, the events that we host, it's all part of it. You need it to become everything God has called you to be. And that's why today, after we dismiss this service, we're having New Chapel Connect. What's that? It's two weeks, okay? It's on the first, second, third and fourth week of every month. The first part, we talk about the vision of the church and how you can be a part of it and how you're called to be a part of the body of Christ. We give you an opportunity to join the church. It's pretty powerful. The second week, we talk about engagement. So you hear the vision. The second week, we help you to run with the vision that God gave. We talk about your personality and your giftings. We give you a North Star journey to be able to take to be able to discover who you are in Christ. It's incredible. We've heard incredible things from all kinds of people, from all walks of life. You need to do it. And today's a great opportunity for you to jump in both feet. You need to find out who you are in Christ and get into the center, the sweet spot of purpose. Say amen, somebody. Number four, it's time to get on doing something greater than you. It's time to say that, that the things that you're doing, like to make a living, things like that, that's all well and good, but God, there's got to be something that's making it all worth it. And I know this. We're all looking for joy, but joy is not going to be found in sunny days or our favorite politician being enthroned on high or unexpected money coming back in the tax return, okay? Joy is going to come from you being in a spot where you know your purpose and you're serving God in a way to make a difference and you're on an adventure with him. That's your life. I'm telling you right now, that's, you will have joy unspeakable and full of glory. 
God wants to bring that into all of our lives. I like how it says it in the book of Ephesians. God creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work that he does. I hope, I hope, I, I know that I make some of these ideas easy to understand, but I hope I haven't conveyed that this is all just easy. It is work. But what does it say? It's good work. It's the kind of work where you've worked all day and you put your head down on the pillow and you're like, yes, I did it. How many of y'all remember the drive-in to freedom event that we had on Independence Day weekend? 375 degrees, lost 25 pounds, I'm positive, you know. Everybody's sweating. They wanted to put me in that dunk tank at the end of all of it. Oh my gosh, I'm telling you, it's people soup, okay? Like it was just, I was exhausted. I got home. I'm like, I'm taking a nap. And it came to me. That was so hard, but like, that was the largest church service New Chapel's ever had. So good. Does that make sense? That's the work that God has. Tough, hard work. But when you're doing it, you're happy while you're doing it. When you're done with all, you're like, yeah, go team. That's the life that God has for all of us. It is work, but it is a good work. Write it down. If I dedicate my life to something greater than myself, God will fill my life with passion and adventure. That will make you joyful. That's the adventure called Christianity. Not get saved, act right until you die. It's get saved and you are on a roller coaster with your brazen Jesus who now has your life, has your calling safe within his grasp. As I preach a message like this, I know during the holidays and even during New Year, some people are grieving. You're grieving because of lost opportunities. You're grieving because something you did that you're having to pay for. You're grieving because things didn't turn out. Maybe you're getting to an age and you thought things would be different at this age than you imagined that they would be. You'd be in a different spot in your life and people are down. And what happens is when you get into that spot, you start to turn inward and, and you start thinking too much or you distract yourself and head up church I'm not making light of what you might have gone through and I'm not trying to build our happiness on the unhappiness of somebody else I'm trying to say that your God has more and as brazen and audacious and savage as it sounds God has more you have to get back in the game so I can't go back and change the beginning but write this down with the new life that Jesus offers I can start where I am and see my ending changed I can't go back and change all of that junk. And friend, that's, that's how he is. Time, it is a flying. And it is brutal sometimes because it's moving on sometimes faster than we would like. But the reality is our brazen Jesus steps in and he can make all of the ashes we've made out of our life. The Bible says he makes beauty for ashes. He can take the mess that we've made and see you progress in this world. Say amen. And it's against what's fair, what we deserve. You don't even want to talk about what we deserve. But he offers us this unfair deal, and he offers us his life for his. And our God is the only one who can do that. He is mercy, but he is truth. There's some things that we need to leave behind. And there's some things that we need to pick up and do to see our brazen Jesus in action in our life. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my people. 
God, there's some people in here that are lamenting over something they did, a mistake they made that affected the rest of their lives, and, and it doesn't take long for anybody to talk to them, and they're talking about that thing. They've been living out of it, sourcing out of it for years. I pray that they would be free in Jesus' name. Not that we don't have to live with some of the, some of the results, but the agony, the pain, the dread of all of that. I pray that they move on today. God, I pray there's people in here that have pockets of complacency in their life. One foot in the world, one foot in God. They love God, but they know. God, I don't even have to call anything out. Everyone in the room knows that thing that they got to deal with, the thing that they're addicted to or that they've yielded to or that has too much time and, and attention in their lives. God, I pray for freedom. Lord, I pray that they would be bold enough to tell somebody else about it today. Gentlemen, maybe you need to tell your wife, I'm sorry that I've been zoning out on my phone all evening, every evening. I'm going to turn that phone off. They can call us at the house if they need to get a hold of us. God's calling some of the men to buck up, get your big boy pants on, and be the man of your house because your kids are waiting for your attention. Lord, I thank you that you're dealing with men. I thank you that you're dealing with women, some of which are riddled with fear, fears that don't even make sense about situations and scenarios that don't make sense, and they rationally know it. And friend, that's how you know it's spiritual. Why don't you just leave that in 2021? Why don't you tell your accountability about it and pray about it and get healed from all of that junk? It's only gonna weigh you down. You're not being careful at a certain point you're sourcing out of fear. So God, I pray that my church would be bold. Bold in taking next steps. To not shy away from the brazen Jesus, but trust that, that God with a whip is going to whip our year into shape. God, that we can trust you. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for one more minute. If you came into my auditorium today, you say, Pastor Joe, I'm not right with God. Whatever that means way to have a relationship with God, the only way is through his son Jesus. We said it. He came to this world and made that way. He died on a cross with your name on it. When you accept him as Lord, you'll have eternity in heaven. Avoid a Christless hell and the peace and joy that you're looking for can spring up in your heart today. You don't have to wait for it. It can happen today. So we're going to pray. If you mean the words that you say, friend, you'll be saved. If you say it like it's religious poetry, You'll leave here exactly the way that you came. But I think today might be your day. Heads bowed, eyes closed, church. I want to say this prayer with them to support them and as a declaration of our own faith. Pray this with me. Pray, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sins so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. Give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. Now, if you came in here and you did accept Christ, I'm not going to embarrass you and call you down. There's public things like baptism, but this is between you and God. I get it. 
If you would, though, let me know that you prayed that prayer, that you made the decision to follow Jesus by filling out one of those connection cards. People aren't going to know whether you're a visitor or whether you have a prayer request while you're doing it. And I want to send you a note in the mail talking about next steps with God. God has huge things for you, the least of which is to fill out that little card. If you came with somebody and I said heads bowed, eyes closed, and you peeked, number one, I give you absolution, my son. But number two, get your friend to fill out that card. They need that information. I don't want y'all waking up Monday morning and be like, I'm a Christian, now what? I don't get it. I want to give you all the tools that you need to succeed. Church, aren't we excited that people accept Christ every single week at New Chapel? Hallelujah. Stand up on your feet, gang. I hope that you enjoyed today. I told you it would be a brazen message. A uh, couple quick announcements before I pray for us. New Chapel Connect is after church today. If you haven't attended, you're welcome to attend. Your kids can stay back in New Kids, and we have lunch from Jimmy John's, Pop, and Dasani for everybody. Uh, the prayer meeting is on January 27th at 6.30. Don't forget that. Our groups are going to begin on February 6th. And then one that you haven't heard is this. Write this down. Save the day. On February 13th at 6 o'clock, we are having a Super Bowl party here at church. And New Chapel knows how to party. We're going to watch the game on the big screens. We're not going to watch the halftime show because it's atrocious. And uh, we're going to have a chili cook-off and uh, just to be fair, I always try everybody's chili to make sure that we're all on the same page. I don't want anybody to feel left out. And, uh, and so it's going to be a riot. Make sure that you make plans to attend. It's always a fun time. Kids are welcome to come. We'll have fun things back there and in the room. It's great family activity for all of us. Next week, everybody say next week. Invite somebody with you. I think that these messages are going to be life-giving to the people who are really serious about God and people that are seekers. Do you know who's going to hate these messages? Religious people. They're not going to like them at all. But if you want the real Jesus, I'm fixing to give them to you. Amen, somebody? Let me pray for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in this new year. And as you go... As you go, have a great week. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. 